The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? This is yours truly, Cameron Fry from His Girl Friday at your service. It's one o'clock Central Daylight Time. I'm cutting this at work, believe it or not. However, I'm on my lunch break, so don't worry, not wasting state government dollars. As for today's episode, I want to come back to a familiar topic, one that we've discussed a couple times in the last year. Before I jump in, let me just give a quick France recap. So Liz and I got back from Paris on a late Monday. We took Tuesday off uh, to recalibrate. Uh, we left Saturday, April 27th uh, from Nashville. So it was a 10-day excursion loaded with adventure and loaded with insights. There's so much I could say about the trip. So just know that Liz and I are going to pod together only for the second time this year. Uh, and we're going to lend some feedback, some insights, some, you know, we'll, we'll give our own personal recap and talk about some of the lessons we've learned, uh, some of the outcomes from Transmission 2019. Just a wonderful time. You know, I've told people at work, the trip was really an education and navigation. We don't know a lot of French, so there are many times on the trip we felt helpless getting around from place to place. Uh, while there were certain times where we were able to relax and, and rest, for the most part, it, it kind of eluded us, at least the rest anyway. You know, we, the adventure, yes, two thumbs up there, but we come back very, not worn out, but fatigued, and part of that is jet lag, but we'll get caught up um, with the energy, adventure, and the stamina. Um, the main thing, for, and I know I'm kind of jumping ahead uh, to the prayer request, but just be praying for my wife's health. This, this third pregnancy has been a bear. Um, the first pregnancy, you know, round ligament pain was the headline, uh, but for this one, it's just uh, the worst morning sickness. It just won't seem to go away. We we wondered or something else than just the standard morning sickness. So, uh, Liz will go to the doctor on Tuesday, and we'll find out more information then. But so far, healthy uh, mom overall and healthy baby, and just continue to pray for a successful year of growing, birthing, laboring, etc. All right. So I want to return, uh, circle back to my April 24th, 2018 post, uh, Integrating Ministry Marketplace Using the Temple Template. This is based out of Matthew 21, verses 12 through 17. I'll link up that particular pod uh, so that you can catch that for reference. Uh, I've already talked about this, but consider this like a second edition. You know, a lot of great works. They have a a first edition and a second edition and so forth. Um, And part of that is because there's a certain point in time when we want to talk about something, we want to post something, publish something, and we have our mind made up on the matter, on the topic at hand at that particular moment. But we mature in understanding. We grow in wisdom and knowledge. So that's why sometimes you have a more well-rounded idea uh, of the concept you're wanting to talk about, and this applies to the situation. I believe that there's a couple different angles one can take when we talk about bridging sacred and secular work 
using the temple model. And this is something that is at the near the core of physical fry. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because uh, it really gets home to, it really involves the issue of leadership identity. What it means for us to live out our identity as vocationals as God intends. And so we talk about the temple template. It goes back to Jesus and his post-triumphal entry into the temple and Again, I just love talking about this. It's so important to believe what God says about us and how he's made us to be, how to walk our identity as kingdom influencers out. And we see this often repeated in the New Testament, Colossians 2 and Ephesians 2. Paul talks about how we're called to be effective influencers and reconcilers. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about how we're to be kingdom ambassadors. That's the ministry of reconciliation passage in then First Peter 2, Peter talks about how we're a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation. There are many more I could cite, but those are just three that come to mind. However, to be all of these things, we must walk in three strengths. Courage, boldness, and confidence. And one of the places, one of the key places Jesus demonstrates all three of these qualities is in the temple. Now you could say he demonstrated this constantly wherever he went, and that's true how he manifests these qualities in the temple's work discussion. So if you have your Bibles, Bible apps, turn to Matthew 21, 12 through 17. As mentioned, Jesus finishes the triumphal entry. That's what verses 1 through 11 testify to. Uh, but note the first place he goes, the temple, verse 12, and the reason he goes there, to cleanse it. Again, the fact Jesus deliberately goes to the temple to make its intent known, that speaks volumes to me. We we tend to focus on Jesus' frustration in this passage. Uh, but the key is Jesus was setting things right. He was being fiercely intentional with the truth and breathing life into what had become a lifeless environment. Uh, basically, the temple uh, at the time was an entity that had lost its way. And Jesus was trying to restore it, reconcile it, be the things that we're called to be today as, as bivocational slash vocational. So, we talk about our identity as leaders, there's important application to be found here. Now, the difference between this episode, th this pod on the Temple Temple, and the last one is we're going to ultimately integrate the difference between courage, boldness, and confidence into the mix. Uh, that's the main uh, difference. Uh, so have that grid in mind, uh, those three strengths, just offering for context. So first off, to be an effective leader, we must be courageous and purposeful with the truth. We could be highly skilled with our spiritual gifts. We can understand what they are and how they work in a vocational setting. We could be articulate, persuasive. We could have our own idea of confidence. But if what we're given from God is used with limited integrity, if we're tolerating fear in any way, we won't be able to walk our leadership identity in fullness. And we may risk missing some divine opportunities, some open doors that God is wanting to open for us. Uh, when we consider, and this is my second point, when we consider Jesus calls the temple my house in verse 13, my house will be called a house of prayer, we find God's view of leadership as an extension of our priesthood and a place he intended for our good where we can be influencers, reconcilers, and ambassadors. There's a security and a safety that God intends for the temples in our lives. And by temples, we'll just go ahead and um, extend it uh, into modern times. So the place where you 
are occupationally inclined, the arenas of influence that God has led you to, uh, the arenas of expertise, where you're pouring out uh, work-wise. Uh, there are many different kinds of temples, but the, one of the common denominators Jesus specifies right here in verse 13, you know, they're, they're also to be called houses of prayer. And I think a lot of times we forget to incorporate prayer into our work. You know, we try, you know, for me, one of the temptations early on was to pray before work and after work, but there wasn't anything ongoing, and that was keeping the separation, the divide between sacred and secular. Now I, I you know, as I've matured, and now I'm into my 30s, prayers is something I do on the spot, you know, resisting uh, a negative thought or an insecurity, integrating prayer in that moment, taking a thought captive, but bringing God into that moment of, of strength. And uh, even in those brief moments, courage is being demonstrated. We don't even realize it. I think another thing is we need to understand when courage is being exercised because courage is meant to be built upon. All right, so we go on. Jesus calls the temple house of prayer not only to reveal its purpose, uh, i.e. a place where the Holy Spirit could dwell and uh, be of influence in establishing that vertical communication between God and man, but he calls the temple house of prayer to inspire the sick, the poor, and the downcast to better know that purpose uh, in verse 14. He was drawing people to himself. He was wanting to open eyes and to close the eyes of those who thought they could see. Um, speaking of the Sadducees, the uh, priest officials, the Pharisees, etc. So it really shouldn't be any surprise when we see a completely transformed temple by the time Jesus pieces out in verse 17. Jesus didn't come to assert his identity, but reestablish an identity his father intended. This is a big reason uh, why those who weren't offended weren't drawn to him. And those who were offended were seriously questioning and doubting his identity. Um, They were the blind ones in this case. Uh, Jesus had something in him bigger than himself. And somehow, it's no surprise to us, rather, um, that the poor and the downcast could see that. This guy was special. Jesus was unique. There was no one else like him to that point. And when I say that he had something in him bigger than himself, it was something that pointed to being loved by God. And that is at the core of any identity we talk about. Our identity as a human being to our identity as a vocational. Being loved by God and letting that express. Jesus, again, if you focus too much on his specific behaviors, uh, in the temple early on, you know, the flipping tables is, is a, you know, we watched those movies growing up and we, we think about, oh, Jesus in the temple, yeah, he was turning tables and setting the birds free and, you know, getting the money on the floor or all that good stuff. But no, 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 there was more he was doing. That was only a part of it. He wasn't trying to stir up political unrest. Um, rather, he was ultimately trying to establish a, a safe place where people could discover that they're loved by God. And Jesus always manifested that important truth in his life. All right, so at this time, I want to introduce uh, a fairly new concept inspired by Benji Block. And I want to cite my sources. This is something that I just found in research. So I I credit Benji Block for um, just this dichotomy, this comparison between courage, boldness, and confidence. Because I know... Um, up until I found this a month or two ago, I didn't fully synonymize the three, but I often linked them too closely to the point where I would you know, use them interchangeably, and we cannot use courage, boldness, and confidence interchangeably. And if we get this, then it opens up the door for us to understand certain scriptures like you know, Hebrews 9 and 10 come to mind when we hear these words and uh, what they mean. 
So, courage, boldness, and strength. I'm going to cut another, I'm going to write another post and and actually cut another pod devoted to this comparison, but we're just going to um, lay groundwork here and just get the basics out of the way. So there's a point of reference for whenever that pod is released. So here we go. Courage is yielded trust. And some of this is Benji Block. Some of this is me in my uh, analysis of his thoughts, my commentary. Courage is yielded trust, relying on God's strength in the moment. Boldness is matured courage or courage and rhythm. And confidence is matured boldness or boldness and rhythm. Let's use a race analogy. Courage gets us to the starting line regardless of our fears getting there. While choosing courage doesn't automatically eradicate our fears, it positions us nonetheless to see the value in running the race. So courage gets us to the starting line. Or put another way, uh, courage says yes to running the race. By the time we get to boldness, we're now saying yes to keep running that race once the gun goes off. We, we still have doubts and cramps, um, interferences, but nothing can change the fact that our commitment is etched in action at that point. So we, we get to the starting line with courage, we keep running with boldness, and once established in pace, boldness can then yield to confidence. Uh, and confidence, with, in this illustration, manifests as an unshakable belief in finishing the race. You now can see yourself finishing and and, and succeeding and thriving as well. You know, once you're running with confidence, the fear of pain and other obstacles pales in comparison to the joy set before you. And step by step, that fear diminishes as what you rely upon is now peaking in full. Um, rather, that you know, relying on the Lord's strength is starting to mature within you. So you cross the finish line and you marvel not only in the fact you've died to your flesh, but also in the reality of having relied on a confidence not your own. And that's what real confidence is. It's knowing that, oh, the reason why I'm confident has nothing to do with me. And again, Jesus is the perfect example of this. And we'll unpack all these concepts down the road. Um, but let's apply them to Matthew 21. And this uh, gets into our bottom line here. When we reflect on how Jesus integrated his ministry and spiritual gifts in the temple, we see that he was intentional in going to the temple courts, uh, temple courts first. There's a lot of places he could have gone, but it's so unique that following the the procession and you know the waving of the palm branches and all the people who misunderstood the the kingdom he represented and, and stood for, um, he was still intentional in going there. So this represents courage. Represents getting the starting line. Jesus knew this was his last week on earth, um, and you know we talk about how you know in our congregations you know ninety five percent of our you know our liturgy is in the workforce in the marketplace in some capacity. Um, I think that's part, not the entire reason, but uh, certainly a piece of the pie. I mean, break down all the reasons why Jesus went to the temple first. He was speaking to places where there was just so much influence, and Jesus carried a lot of that. So it's like influence meant influence. It doesn't surprise me. Um, but either way, this represents courage. And once Jesus was in the temple, he was bold with the truth and how he handled conflict. Some translations reference you know, how Jesus drove out would need to be driven out with force. So there was intentionality and purpose um, that was continuing on. And so now you're getting into courage and boldness territory. And then Jesus lives out the identity he declared over the temple. 
And in doing this, his true identity became apparent to those who would ultimately flock to him. Again, he didn't come to the temple looking to assert his identity, and that's a very key point we, we must not neglect. Once Jesus declared the temple was a house of prayer, and he began to walk underneath that, uh, within that, um, now confidence was manifesting, and this allowed him to love at every opportunity. You know, his reputation in many ways preceded him, um, part of the reason why so many came to him um, and why he drew so much attention. Uh, because his boldness was etched in action. So, again, you have courage, boldness, and confidence here. And I submit, if we're going to thrive in our areas of influence, we must choose courage through obedience and prayer, be bold with the truth, even in conflict, and walk in confidence as we enter the places and purposes God has appointed for us. I could sum that all up in just one simple sentence. We choose courage to lead in boldness, to walk in confidence. One sentence breaking down the dichotomy. There you go. We choose courage to lead in boldness, to walk in confidence. Now, some of you may be thinking, so does that mean I don't choose boldness? Well, I suppose you can, but you have to understand what comes first. If, you, if you're choosing boldness, you have to choose courage first. You can't have boldness without courage. However, you can be courageous without being bold. You can get to the finish line, or sorry, you can get to the starting line, but you can either choose to not run the race at that point. You can run it, but maybe you're still not believing that you can do well, so you're kind of just going at uh, you know, half pace, or maybe you're not giving 100%. Boldness and confidence imply that 100% is being pursued um, one way or another. And so you choose courage, and then as you develop that muscle, then boldness begins to become more default. So I believe that that's something that, and we'll, again, break it down. But courage is like, all right, I'm, I may not see it, but I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to reference, yield to Him. Um, I want to be obedient and be dependent on God's strength in this moment, regardless of my emotions. That can look a number of different ways, and that's what we, we choose. Um, we lead in boldness. Sustained obedience or obedience that has matured over time. Uh, and so, and then confidence is just where you're now running this and the joy set before you. It's not, you know, the, the doubts are, again, paled in comparison. Uh, There's just a lot of good stuff that when we get to this, so I don't want to spoil future pods here, so I'll cut it off now. But just know that when we pursue these strengths, that's how we know we're living our identity as leaders. It's a way of gauging if you know we're being like Jesus in the temple at our respective jobs, at our work, in our fields. So I encourage you to stay on this uh, in, the, in the days and, and weeks ahead and just ask yourself, Lord, where can I mature in these qualities? Where am I not choosing courage? Where am I choosing courage, um, but maybe I'm not fully walking in it to the point it's just default boldness and by default I mean it's just it's something that seems effortless you're being effective but it's another thing when effectiveness meets effortlessness we don't do these things for it to be easy upon us but we do want our goodness to be locked in a certain rhythm where it's not the exception but it is 
the norm as we daily abide in Christ uh, by the Spirit, as we daily die to ourselves. We're meant to pursue and invite God into the development process, you know, of these qualities within us. So, all right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful weekend and week ahead. I'll try to get uh, the next pod, you know, the one with Liz and I talking about France. We'll try and get that um, done in the next couple of weeks before months end. Um, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to pray with you, stand with you, be of any support we can. Uh, so feel free to drop us uh, a comment below or a PM, um, and we can have some one-on-one if, if you need it. But if not, we'll continue to pray God's highest riches for your life. Um, what a wonderful day it is to be alive and just know that you are awesome and you are loved by God. And that is at the core of whatever identity we talk about in these podcasts. As I always say, my name is Cameron Fry and I'll catch you on the Fry. Peace.